How's it going, folks? You got the Muley Brigade here. It's me, Griff, and Finn. Me, myself, and I. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to start talking in third person here. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to you about our uh, elk hunting experience from the year, um, some things we learned, stories, um, failures, anything you can think of, we might have it for you here. Yeah, I know it's been a long time. Kind of got sidetracked. It's our first year, so trying to sort everything out, and this is what we got. Yeah, it's been pretty tough to try to balance, um, trying to make film, do the hunts, um, and then podcast. podcast on top of that. And at the same time, we also kind of lost direction, you know. Um, yeah, a little of the way through the season. It's an interesting dynamic when you get into things and your team and everything. We're working on that. Yeah, figuring it out. So, let's get into some elk. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and talk about our early season experiences. We hunted an over-the-counter archery tag in Colorado here. And that is a 30-day uh, 30, 30 season, 31-day season, I think. Yeah, something like that. About a month, yeah. Oh, I know. It's... August 25th to September 23rd, yeah, so just so. under 30 days, 28-ish. Yep. So we, we hunted every weekend we could, and then we took a week-long trip there in the, at the end. And we were trying to time the rut up, and that didn't, that didn't work out either. Um, let's go ahead and talk about our early season. We've seen elk every time we went out, and we're talking three weekends, a four-day weekend in there. Every time we went out, we've seen multiple elk. Yeah. Our first, our first day of the season, we've seen nine elk on opening morning. Um, you know, the only thing we could say about that is we were trying to catch them in their summer patterns. We were trying to be proactive. Um, trying to run our own playbook, if you will, and there was not a whole lot of cooperation from the Elkies. Yeah, we went in there, we tried to, you know, <clears throat> walk, bugle, just trying to find a bull that's going to play along, and what we anticipated would happen, happened, and we got into... We may have seen nine elk, but we got into elk just as many times as we got into hunters that first day. So, And the elk that we got into were not calling at all. Uh, nothing. Uninterested. It, yeah. To say they, the just, they just happened to be there still because they hadn't been pressured out because it was opening day. But we did run into other hunters bugling and stuff like that. And... <clears throat> It's public land, so you have to account for that. But sometimes you just wish that hunters would understand that you just don't go pick up a bugle at the store and start to, you know, make proficient bugles. So, a lot of the times we knew it was a hunter, but all that's doing for us is they're getting elk educated real early, first day of the season, and it's really tough to be, you know, 
calling is your number one source as an archery hunter, but when you have people out there all the time, the whole 30-day season trying to call an elk, it makes it really hard for you, and especially the guys who don't really understand how to bugle or what it entails, and they're just squealing in a grunt tube. Every 30, every 30 minutes from a blind. Yeah. Yeah, from a blind or just from a regular, pretty much a main road in the woods, like a logging road or something like that, or a country road, as they call them in Colorado, that everybody goes down. You're just getting the elk educated. Yeah. And it's really hard for us. You know, we get that it's public land, and we're, we also understand that we were trying to bugle elk opening day. Yeah. You know... But we weren't looking to play ball with an elk. We necessarily were more or less just trying to locate an elk if we could, you know, if one wanted to play a little bit of ball with us. Um, the tough thing about the over-the-counter units is, is they're unlimited. There's going to be tons of hunters there. You're going to deal with out-of-staters. You're going to deal with everything and in between. I mean, we got called in by a hunter opening morning basically just to do our due diligence um oh hey this this is a bugle um we basically knew that it was a hunter from the get-go because it was responding and not only responding but getting somewhat aggressive um so we get all of that we understand all that but it sucks yeah and then the elk but the funny thing was is that we heard hunters up on the hillside, and then we just kind of side-held it for a little bit, and we came in elk. But here in Colorado, most of the units are going to be a four-point minimum or cow for your over-the-counter archery tag, and we ran into, I think it was three spikes. Yeah. So, yeah, you take it for what it's worth. And then after that, uh, we went down a little ways, crossed a little clearing, went deeper back in there we ran into a four by four but in some really thick stuff and they're not calling or doing anything like that so that's like a needle in a haystack as an archery hunter yeah so essentially in that particular unit anyways we we've heard the stories of other units in other states where elk are playing ball early on wasn't happening Lots of pressure, considering the fact that its location is basically right outside of Denver. And it, it was tough. It's kind of the thing I take away from that is, is basically if you want to hunt elk during that time in that particular unit, you go in there and you sit where you know that you've seen them on trail cams and their summer patterns. Yeah. So. And you take it face value, basically. But the early season, we did run into a few elk. Um, and we, most of the time, that was trying to sit travel corridors, things like that. Yeah. Uh, just nothing close enough to really yeah, I had even a, attempt to get a shot off. I had a 5x5, five five and it was getting closer to maybe the time they start pre-rut. Um, it was a 5x5. Five five. It came into a clearing I was in at 116 yards. Cal called at him, and he just kind of looked my direction and turned and walked out of my life. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and then I, myself, had an adventure of my own. You know, Fenn and Brom had their own obligations that weekend, so I went out by myself, made a new friend. <laughs> um, and 
I got into my first bugling elk that evening. He played a little bit of ball with us, um, kind of. I never even seen him, and he was within 60 yards. I know that. That's our early season in a nutshell. But you still have to, you know, as an archery hunter going out in the early season, you kind of know what to expect. But sometimes you just have to expect the unexpected, and you never know when you're going to run into that one elk, you know? That one elk that's going to respond, or that one elk that just happens to be sitting off of a trail that you're walking. Like, we... We got an elk in the early season. They were just too far away. But if we would have, you know, decided on a different trail or um, just waited a few more minutes, we could have easily, you know, could have easily shot one of those elk. Yes. It's all about, you know, luck of the draw. And you might get lucky. You might get lucky and have one call back to you and come in just out of curiosity. So you have to play the game to win. And that's basically... We knew that in the beginning, and that's what we were doing. We were playing the game and hoping for that one shot, which every hunter's home hoping for during their hunt season. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't all bad. It was It was exciting, you know, getting out there seeing so, you know, elk. So. Yeah. It was, it's great to get out there and, and start her off, you know. Anyway, I wish it could have been more productive at times. You know, we put in lots and lots of miles. Yeah. Every time we went out, we're talking nine miles a day on weekends and then, you know, going back to work on Monday, just, if you will, dragging ass. Yeah. And it wasn't through, you know, the open prairie, the plains or nothing like that. I mean, we're walking through deadfall patches, like mile long patches of deadfall and not just once one deadfall patch, you know, every hour, every two hours, we're talking about multiple patches of deadfall that we're climbing over the whole day. Yeah, if we were lucky, we would walk through 15 Four. yards yeah. of clear clear path, and then you're just in a hell of a deadfall patch the next thing you know. So, I mean, it's what you got to go for. Yeah, you sign up for it. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and move into... Well, before we do that, what is your takeaway from the early season? What is one thing you would try to do better next year if you were to have that same tag again? If I had the same tag next year, uh, basically, it's hard to tell, but I would use my scouting and all that to my advantage and maybe um, try to find more wallows, try to find more travel corridors. And not do as much just blind walking. Maybe try some subtle blind calling with some cow call and stuff like that. And just to get them interested. And then to sit those travel corridors. Unless I, you know, could go in there and get a response with the bugle or something. But I wouldn't overdo it with the bugle. And I'd most likely sit more travel corridors, stuff that. In the early season, when I, you know know that they're not responding to the bugle and I try that route but also I'd probably be in a different area and try to get further away from people and roads if possible which is 
kind of hard here in Colorado because they have a really good road system through most of the national forest and BLM land. I'm with you. That, that's my thought. That's my takeaway. It's more sitting, less calling, less just walking around aimlessly for hours. Um, it's just a tough part of the season in that, you know, and especially in Colorado when you have so many tags that are given out for that species. Yeah. It is what it is. Moving on, we'll talk about our, yeah, go for it. To the late season. So when we say late season, it's not really late, but it's the last week of the general archery season in Colorado. And we take a week of leave from our jobs, and we go out there with the sole purpose, killing elk for nine days straight, pretty much. Yeah, I think we headed out on the 16th um, of uh, September. Like we said earlier, the season closed the 23rd. So, um, when I said I got into my first bugle earlier, that was a mission to find a different place to hunt elk. Um, me and Fenn had done some talking, and we were tired of where we were at, and kind of how it had played out the last two years. So, I went, and then I got into an elk, and came back, obviously I relayed that information to them. It was a little easier walking, it wasn't as much deadfall. Um, there was supposed to be a larger elk population in the area, according to CPW. Colorado Parks, more or less. Yeah. For those of you who don't know. And so once I kind of did that, I came back, you know, relayed the information, and we made a decision to hunt our week-long trip starting there. I say starting there because, as you'll find out, we traveled a lot. Yes. So I'll let you go ahead and start. Yeah, so we get to our spot, new spot. Uh, Griffith went there once that weekend before, but relatively new to everybody else. And we looked at Onyx and things like that, but we've never been really foots on the ground, ready to go. So we get there, and... Before you go on, there's always something cool about going to a new area. I don't know what it is. There's something majestic about that. Just when you get locked down in one area... Granted, some states you can only hunt a certain area once you get a tag, but once you get locked down in an area and you've been there a while, it just feels better to get out and explore and go to a new area. And for some reason, that makes you feel like you got a better chance. <laughs> I don't know why, but it feels like you got a better chance. So we got in there and we, what, <clears throat> the first night we actually thought we were. Close to getting in on a bull, ended up being a, another hunter. But they had said that there was a bull. We did, we talked to these guys like three days later. Yeah. They actually had shot a bull down there that was bugling. Supposedly. Yeah. So the next day we headed into a backpacking camp that we wanted to do. And that was pretty eventful that first day. Yeah. <laughs> we had whatever on our backs, 70 pound rucks probably. Uh, packing in probably more than we needed, but also we don't have a lot of ultralight equipment because we haven't done a backpack hunt before, so we don't have, you know, all the necessities that we would probably need for a backpack hunt, but then again, that comes with time and money and all that good stuff, and we're just trying to do it on a budget, you know, first timers out there, and we ran into at least... 
probably five or six elk, two being for sure bulls. Yeah, we uh, we decided to have, I think it was like a mile and a quarter in. It was shortly after we got off the main trail in. We decided to sit down and eat lunch. So shortly after we sit down and eat lunch, we're kind of just bullshitting with each other. And I don't know, was, you think it was a mile off? Mm-hmm. At least a mile. The bull bugles, are, we're hoping it's a bull bugling at this point. Um, and uh, I kind of stand up and I grab my, my bugle and my bugle tube, or my reed and my tube. And I rip one and he answers back and the response from me to whoever was listening at that point between uh, Fenn and Brom, somebody grab your bow and somebody grab the camera. Let's go. And we had this bull going for a good 30 minutes at least. We had to cover a lot of ground. Um, Long story short, we get into at least within 100 yards of it. I'd say probably close to 80, 80 yards. Um... And the wind switched on us, and he was gone. Yeah, we had to, I don't know what it is, if it's just Colorado, but the wind is crazy out here. I mean, one minute's going north, one minute's going south. It's, it's so hard to, you know, make that perfect stock in, but we tried our best, and it just didn't work out the way we thought it would. Yeah. So it was exciting. Super exciting, especially, you know, for all for us because we had already put on at least, you know, I'd say at least thirty, forty miles. Yeah. Just on the weekends. And here we are, you know seven miles into our trip, our week long trip basically. <laughs> We're into some bulls and everything seemed like it was going according to plan with us planning our hunt and everything. So we go back Grab our packs. Yep. Came back, grab our packs, and we're back trying to get into the spot that we wanted to set up camp and get ready for our backpack trip. So we kind of crossed where that bull might have been at, and we started going up this pretty steep incline following an elk trail, and we get to the top, and we're kind of taking a break there, getting some water and whatnot. And Griff lets out a bugle just to, for probably pretty much for S's and G's, just to, just to see. And we heard one down the canyon a little bit, which we're assuming is the same bull that we probably spooked out earlier. And he's far, he's way down there. And then another one really close gives out like kind of a half-ass bugle with a little chuckle at the end. And then and at that moment, we're like, oh man, he's close. So that's when the, you know, the fire drill starts. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got our bow strapped to our packs. Uh, I'm just kind of standing there, like, barking off orders, if you will. Not really, like, barking, if, but let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, that, that bull was making a beeline for us. Yeah, because I ran over to my pack, and I'm unstrapping the bow, and trying to get that out of there and get my release all ready to go and kind of get set up and Griffin's calling at this bull and we're 
kind of in shock because he's so close and he's pretty much beelining to us and by the time he got in probably within 60 yards of us we just couldn't see him but then the wind again shifted on us and he we heard him crash out of the country pretty much yeah we heard him coming all the way and then he said 50 60 yards out loud thuds of him running away um, we think that one might have had cows with him, right? Yeah, probably cows. Because uh, what I thought is we were already in his comfort zone when we let out the first bugle, and he didn't know it because it was pretty thick where we were at. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't even have enough time to try to decide what he wanted to do, if he wanted to gather his cows and get out of there. I think we were too close at the time because I think we were probably within 100 yards of him when Griff let off that first bugle when we were taking our break. And he didn't have time to really do anything but come and see and fight whatever bull was in his area. Yeah. So, after the fire drill was over, we pressed on with great feelings for the week to come. (laughs) Um, We finally make it to where we're going to camp. Found a quaint little spot with a couple creeks around. Yeah. um, Because we were going to be pumping our own water through a filter into our jugs. And we set up our camp. It's a great campsite. It was a great campsite. <laughs> Nothing else. It was a really nice campsite. Yeah, so we set our camp up, and uh, which consisted of, uh, I had a, like, I don't even know what you call that thing. It was like a log. It was like a log tent that I just rolled into. And then yeah, no, a little one-man. Yeah. And these guys borrowed a uh, two-man tent that I had, and uh, two-man is a stretch. Yeah. You can fit two people in there. You're going to be pretty snug, to say the least. So then we went out on our evening hunt, and it was dead quiet. Yeah, nothing going. Which, unfortunately, became a theme of the week. Yeah. The next day, we figured out something that no hunter wants to figure out about, I don't know, 600 yards from the camp. There was a trail. I don't... I couldn't drive vehicles on it or ATVs or whatever, but it was a pretty decent old, looked like an old logging road that they might have used years and years back, but it's definitely accessible to the general public. So once we got on that, we ran into a couple hunters and... couple, meaning like... Yeah, four or five of them. Yeah. And we realized that might have messed up there a little bit. Yeah. We just backpacked into a place that has a uh, main, pretty, pretty decent trail about 600 yards away. Yeah, and not only that, I think this is, this is the point where some miscommunication between our teams started to set in. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's on us. You know, we should have had all of this lined out, but we made a late decision to switch units. Um, and like we said, we've never been there before. And we had went even further than I had went in the weekend prior. Yeah, long story short, once we got done, I think we spent that night in there, and that whole day and stuff, and we went back to camp, uh, the uh, backpack camp, and kind of decided to load our things and get out of there and uh, decide what to do from the main camp. Yes. And then we decided on to go to a different area. Again. Yeah. So, 
We gamble. We gambled a lot this during that week. Um, we drove to the edge of Colorado, basically. Um, the well, I'll just go ahead and say Grand Junction area uh, around there. Um, I, I can't remember how far of a drive it was from where we were currently at. Yeah, but it was it was pretty good half a day. You know, half a day had to be committed to it. We hunted that evening. Yeah. But the place that we went, overrun with cows and stuff, and we didn't see any elk, hear any elk, seen a couple deer. And we found a place to camp, hunted the next day, same result. That's great bears. bear spot. <laughs> it's a great bear spot. <laughs> seen three bears that within morning. Within 45 minutes. Yeah, within 45 minutes of the sun breaking seen three bears one right up, right in camp pretty much and then two just up the trail there yeah but no elk not even signs of elk no good trails scat tracks nothing yep so we ended up back the at the end of it all we ended up back where we did our early season hunting yeah for the last Two days of the season. So, yeah, this is our third unit of our week-long trip. And this drive was another at least three and a half hours back towards Denver. Yep. So, we drove the western half of I-70, more than you can know, in a week. Um, and that's where things get interesting again for us. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell my story because mine is not as long and elaborate as what will be Fennig's. Yes. Um, <laughs> Fact. I went a little further. We decided we were just going to sit. We were done walking. At this point, we've already put in 42 miles in the five days um, that we had been hunting. Um, not to mention the 700 plus miles we drove that week. And, um, so I went in probably a mile and a half deep and I set my happy ass on a clearing. Well, I, uh, we kind of talked about it in the truck that we were going to do some blind calling and see what happened. So, um, I threw out some cow calls through the tube and I just kind of sat there. I started playing a game on my phone. I was like, oh. what a loser! Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm expecting right now. If I get lucky, I get lucky. Crazy thing is, 30 minutes later, there's some sticks cracking to my right, and here come two elk. Unfortunately, they were two spikes. Can't shoot a spike elk. They hung out with me for the remainder of the evening. <laughs> they can be your new best friend. They were. I named them Bob and Tom. <laughs> So that that was that was it for me that night. The first night, I think that was Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. Well, it gets interesting because of what Finning went through. All right. So self-inflicted. We got a great little hunting story for you here. If I didn't have bad luck, I probably wouldn't have any luck at all. But I get to the spot where I kind of want to set up 
And at this point, you know, we've been out for seven days, hiking, like Riff said, and pretty beat down. So I get to this little spot. I've sat here before in the early season once or twice. And I've seen one elk there, I think one spike before. So I'm not expecting much. It's kind of a catch-22. The wind's really good, but also if you're there before the sun is going down, you're going to get sun right in your face. So for most of the evening there, I just had sun blaring right on me in my face. And it was super hard to even look into the clearing that I was trying to hunt. So as the night progressed, the sun starts going behind the ridge there. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And I just get it out of my eyes at this point. And then... I'm just kind of looking with the binoculars up on the hill and not expecting much. As was said earlier, not expecting much at this point. Seeing out pretty much like a miracle. Getting kind of down. And hearing a couple sticks breaking and stuff to my left. And I don't really think a lot of it because I'm thinking, you know, maybe the squirrels are, you know, they might be rutting. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not thinking much of it. And then out of nowhere, this 4x4 bowl comes out 140 yards from me out of the thick timber. And I'm like, oh man, I already have my bow ready to go. It's got the arrow knocked. It's just sitting off to the side of me. So I grab my bow slowly as he's working his way up this little clearing, feeding as he goes. I get my bow. I have my release and everything. I got my range finder whatnot. And I get behind this log that I'm sitting in front or behind and have my bow kind of across my chest. And I get the binoculars and stuff before I do anything and I'm looking at him just making sure that he's a legal bull. Once I figure out he's a legal bull, I hide behind this uh, pretty much bush right in front of the log and start to cow call. I'm giving him little cow calls and he's kind of interested but not much because he looks over to where I'm at and then he gets keeps going starts scraping and milling around in the dirt there and I just give him a couple more little chirps and finally he starts kind of making his way towards me not really interested as much as I'd want him to be but he wants to check it out. He's just not sure at this point. So he's feeding. And th- this is like an hour process. He's feeding. And then he looks up. A couple more steps. Back to feeding and the thick stuff. And I'm ranging him every time. He's at 90. He's at, you know, 100 yards. All right. He's at 90 yards. And he's just milling. And then the last couple chirps I give him, he just looks up, staring at where I'm at. And starts to come, and I'm like, oh, man. And I already got a spot pointed out that's 60 yards, and I'm like, I'm good to shoot this guy at 60 yards. But he just keeps coming and coming and staring at me. I'm like, oh, no. He won't. He's just beelining it straight towards where I'm sitting. The tree that or the bush that I'm behind, he's coming straight at me. And he, he didn't stop. He stopped, but he'd be staring right at me. Couldn't move. So, and I'm 
at this point, he's, he's at the 60-yard mark, and I'm like, oh, no, he's not stopping. So I click the release on the on my string there, and, and I'm waiting, and he keeps coming and coming and coming. He gets to about 30 yards, and I'm like, now or never, because if he comes around this bush, he's going to see me, and there's no getting out of that. So he stops, and he looks off to his left a little bit, which is away from me, and I try to do this macgyver thing because i'm kneeling so i try to swing my bow as he acts it out for you on the podcast yeah i'm acting it out (laughs) if you could see it it would be you know part of an action movie so i kind of swing my bow and then i'm pulling back and stuff but as i pull back i hit the log in front of me one of the sticks that's coming off the log and my arrow bounces off and I'm at full draw. This bull is now, at this point, staring directly at me. Directly at me. And I'm at full draw. He's chilling at 30. Full draw. The arrow is gone. I don't know what happened after that. I release the string on my bow. For some reason, I was pulling, I was letting off to let the string go back down to fix my arrow, and I hit the trigger on my release. And my bow goes, pop! And he bolts. He bolts, but I rip a nasty bugle, and he stops at 60 again. I already have my, my arrow knocked back on my bow, ready to go. I pull back again, and it kicks off again. At this point, he's gone. He ran 100 yards back into the brush where he came from. And I'm thinking, what in the ever-loving God has just happened? Why, uh, first of all, how did my arrow kick off the first time? Second, how did it kick off the second time? And I'm kind of in shock right now at this point. And I look down, and my... String slide that attached to my bow is broken. So there's the there's the culprit for the second time. It kicked my bow off because my string was in the way and it kicked it off. So I kind of in shock at that point and I start cussing and hitting the ground and just you know you know when it's your time and you know when it's that's your fucking the only chance you're gonna get and then when it's gone it's a hard pill to swallow but just to rub it in as i'm sitting there totally pissed at myself totally not understanding what had just happened unable to shoot yeah it's still like baffles me even now of everything that went on because I never have my finger on the trigger of my release. I practice that way so I don't have my finger on the trigger. And it happened. But just to rub it in, I'm sitting there cussing, not really caring what sees me. And my bow is not, cannot shoot. It just cannot. I tried to fix it with electrical tape. That's how bad I was trying to fix my bow. And I look back and there's no out in the clearing again, and this time, I looked at it through the binoculars, I thought it was a cow at first, and I was like, great, couldn't shoot the bull, and now, you know, it's legal for me to shoot a cow, but I can't, because my bow's broken, 
and on, upon further inspection, it was a spike. So that gave me a little bit of relief. I was like, okay, now I'm just going to see a spike. And I can't shoot those anyways. That's fine. But then, still sitting there, the sun's still going down, and I'm watching the spike, entertainment value pretty much, and then he starts fighting with another bull. And I'm looking at this bull, and I'm like, that looks pretty legal. Maybe not. And then, after that, I start hearing cows, cows calling. And I'm thinking, at this point, it's getting a little late. I'm thinking Griff's coming down from on top of me. And he's seen that there was elk down here. Now he's cow calling to them. I'm like, all right, well, hopefully he can get a shot. Yeah. He didn't know that I was pinned down. Yeah. I didn't know it was actual cows at the time. And then another bull, 4x4, four four, maybe even a 5x5, five five, runs down the hill to see what's going on with these bulls. And starts mingling with them. Essentially, elk extravaganza kicks off in front yeah. of Yeah. And then, another elk comes out of my right side. And then the bull I just shot out comes out on the left side, exactly where he came the first time. So I got four, five legal bull elk in this area that could have easily been called in. Because they already one of them already had cows. After a, uh, whatever, how many days, 12, 14 days we've been elk hunting, and I have no bow and I cannot shoot one. It's a tough pill to swallow for anybody, and I heard just as much as he did when, you know, I, I had no idea, obviously. Come down the hill, and I, I think Brom's like, look at his bow. I'm like, what? And I'm looking for an arrow that's gone. No, and then, then I get the story, and then we've still got a mile and a half walk back to camp. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. And now it's dark. Yep, and we walked in the dark back to camp, and I had just the nastiest, sickest feeling you'll probably ever have as a hunter, unless you've shot an elk and you've gut shot it or something and you can't find it. Yeah. But other than that... I just wanted to go to bed. I don't even think I ate dinner that night. I just... I think you had a couple beers with us. Yeah, I had a couple beers and I went to bed because I was just so mad. Yeah. It was the culmination of the whole trip, if you will. Yeah, getting so beaten down and finally the time comes to redeem everything, to pick everybody up, including yourself, and then it just goes so wrong, so fast. It wasn't, I mean, obviously I didn't live it, but it was still a tough pill for me to swallow. Because you're rooting for each guy. Yeah, you just want an elk. It doesn't matter who shoots it. I mean. If it's a cow, if it's a bull, you just want an elk. At that point in time. We would all share the meat and whatever. Because it's all a team effort anyways. But until here. One of your best friends go through something like that, something we've all worked hard for. That's just rough, rough on the rough on the team. There's no consoling him either. You know, he's. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. This dude was almost in tears, two or three times, just telling us about it, thinking about it, then looking at his bow because he's got to go get his bow fixed just to even finish the season, 
And I know he had to be thinking, is this even worth me taking my time to go in and get this fixed and coming back out here? Yeah. At certain points, it was like, there's one day left. I got a broken bow. We're out. Couldn't find a dang archery shop, you know. And, but I've never been one to quit the fight. So, I did. I went in the morning. These guys went out for a morning hunt. And I, it was probably about 40, 50 miles. And I finally found this little shop. It wasn't even really a bow shop. It was kind of just like, it was more of a tackle store. And it I was, w- it was actually a tackle store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was on Lake It Grand- said tackle store. Yeah. On. It was Lake Granby, wasn't it? Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. There's this tackle store there, but it had, they had hunting gear in the window. So I went in there and I talked to him. I said, you got a bow press? And they're like, Yeah. I was like, okay, what what accessories do you got? And they walked back there, and they did have a string a string slide. So I was like, can you put this on for me? And the lady that was working said, yeah, but our bow guy doesn't get in till noon. And I was like, I used to work as an archery tech for a couple years before I joined the military. So I was like, I can do it my dang self if you just give me the press, but. She wouldn't let me do it myself, so I ended up sitting in town for a couple hours, went to the gas station, got a cup of coffee, waiting for this dude. So finally, this guy shows up a little earlier than 12, so I guess he didn't sleep in as much that day, but <laughs> he uh, he got there about 11.20, fixed me up, got my bow all ready to go, and uh, headed back to camp, and we went out for the evening hunt. Yeah, that morning, me and Brown went out. He had a bull moose um, messing with us after we had spread a bunch of elk bomb around us. He was not happy with it. He was he was a big bull, too. He eventually came within like 15, 20 yards of us. And we're like, we kind of got him to go away for a minute. Then we exited, stayed right out of the canyon. And next thing you know, I hear the moose again. And we look down, and 40 yards from us following us is this bull moose. Couldn't get enough. Could not get enough of us. So finally, we get out of there. We get over the ridge. We go into an area that we had seen a lot of elk sign before. um, And kind of just set up. Once we get set up, there's a... uh, I think we were there 10 or 15 minutes. I did a little bit of blind calling through the two, some cow calls. And I think it was like 10 or 15 minutes later, we just hear this random bugle. Sounds great, a thousand, two thousand yards away. So we wait 10 minutes after some more blind calling, and I, I finally rip a bugle. And he answers us, and it's closer. So we're just kind of like, what the heck? So we sit back down, and I continue... Finally, the guy chuckles, and I'm like, dude, that, that's a freaking hunter. There's no way that's a bull. Sure enough, it's a hunter. We see them. They don't know where we're at. I continue to mess with them because I'm at this point, six days in, I'm done. So he goes, he thinks he's getting up one of this bull, and I let one more bugle out, and then all of a sudden I hear squeaker toy blows. Hoochie mama. Hoochie mama. <laughs> 
And there's two more guys below us. And so essentially within that 15-minute span, I called in four hunters. That was how that morning hunt went. The evening hunt was uneventful. He's seen a, a bull, moose, and we seen nothing. Yeah, seen a bull, moose, and three does. So, not much going on in the evening. And we came back to camp. I was up by myself at that point. I went up to the same clearing I had shot at the bull at, or attempted to shoot at a bull at the other night. And my own... The cell phone I had with the Onyx maps was dying quickly. It was a little colder than recent nights. And I made it down that mountain in about 30 minutes, which usually before took us an hour. So I was hauling off that mountain because I had no reference really on where to go back to camp when that Onyx maps failed. I fortunately hit the trailhead and was able to make it back to camp about half an hour before these guys but at that point, I think everybody was kind of in the same realm, and we were it, done it was, with the season. Yeah, it was over. Um, we had one day left, technically. With everything that had gone on that week, you know, the switching units, the running into elk early, not hearing a thing for five days, not seeing an elk for five days, um, it all eventually... Just wore us out. Yeah. Um, it was tough. Yeah, I think this year the rut was way later than we anticipated. And that was that played a huge role in it. But it was tough, man. With all of that being said, what is the one thing you thought should have been better for us? I think the preparation could have been a little better. I think... Could have spent a little more time in the gym, rucking, things of that nature, just so we wouldn't wear ourselves out as much throughout the season, knowing that it's long, knowing that it could happen in the first couple days, or it could happen the very last day. We were just not physically and mentally prepared for everything that happened this season. Yeah, the physical bleeds it in the mental. We wasted some golden hours because we were physically done and our mental strength didn't pick us up there. Um, it's hard, really, for one person to try to be the positive guy. And you can only have so much negative things happen and not nothing happening. Before you just you're done, you know you can you can be one ridge, one one bugle, one elk, one hill, one mile, all you want, but eventually you run out of gas. And like Finn's saying, you just gotta offset that with your physical training. If you're physically prepared, you're probably gonna be more mentally prepared for what it takes to elk hunt in Colorado. Yeah, and you find that team cohesion and. All that when you work out with the guys that you're going to be actually hunting with. And you just take it for what it is. and You're prepared to go the long haul, whether that be killing a bull the first morning or the last morning. Yeah, 
Make you, sure you have to have that. Make sure your team has a common goal. If you yeah. don't have a common goal, and you're all like all in for one elk at least, then you need to reassess. And you can't quit, especially if you're really wanting to succeed. Yeah, you have to be in it for you, and also be in it for the other guys that you hunt with, because. If you happen to get lucky on the first day and kill one, those are the guys that are going to help you pack it out. Those are the guys that are going to be with you the whole way. And you can't give up on them halfway through the season. You can't give up with, on them even the last day. You just have to stay out there and stay positive and be there for them just like they're going to be there for you and have that respect for everybody you hunt with. And me and Fen have experienced that. Mostly one-sided. <laughs> yeah. So but We'll get into that later when we talk about our antelope and our deer. Yep. We're going to have new content. We're hopefully going to have this elk video up soon. Should be a couple of them. Um, we really were striving for a day-by-day series. Um, it just didn't happen. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't pan out uh, for multiple reasons. And we'll leave it at that. We're working on it. We're cutting the film right now. We're giving you what we think you might be interested in, you know. Whatever we can get in there, you know. Bugling it'll bowl. be there. Bugling bulls. Some spikes on camera, which I'm pretty sure might be the only elk we actually have on camera. I think there's a couple more. Probably all spikes. Whatever. Yeah, I know I have the spikes that I hung out with for an hour and a half on camera. Yeah. Well, so we'll have some content, and then also stay tuned because we also have our antelope hunt in Wyoming and our deer hunt ready to go. Yeah, deer hunt in Colorado. So we have some content for you, not as much as we'd like, not the way we thought it would roll out, but we're new at this, so you got to kind of hang in for the ride, and it's going to get better as we progress Absolutely. into next season. So, Absolutely. What are your final thoughts, Doug? Final thoughts, you know, it's been a, it's, it was a rough elk season, but we learned a lot, we learned a lot about ourselves, and we're making improvements on how we're going to do things next year, and it's only going to get better from here, so if you like anything about what we're doing, what we're trying to portray, just stay with us, because we're not going to stop till it's done, we've made a commitment, and we're going to stick it out, so whether this leads to us being dug into the dirt or us rising to the top, we're not going to stop because this is what we love to do and we love the way we do it. We love public land, public access, ready to go. We're not feeding you any lines. We're not trying to, you know, show you all the secret spots where we know elk are at. We've only lived here for two, three years and we don't have any secret spots. We don't have any spots where. 100% of the time, all the time, you're going to kill elk or you're going to well, if you're, if you're get hunting, into animals. If you're hunting real public land, there is, there's no yeah. guarantee. Yeah, we don't have any outside sources. We're just public land hunters, same as you. And that's what we're going to portray and we're going to do it, even if it's the death of us. So if you like what we're spinning out, let us know. Griff? Yeah, the only thing I got is... Enjoy your hunt. Make sure it's fun for you. 
make sure you love every aspect of it because it's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. You know, um, we can't tell you where the animals are. We only know what we know. And I think the other part of that is, is we, um, we enjoy what we do. This, this, this is our dream. To try to make ourselves accessible. Accessible, I mean, sharing our experiences with the public. You know, it's... I'm not talking about other groups and how they do their stuff, but showing how you can go out and do it yourself. How you can pick a unit and make it work. Yeah. 100% of the time. That's our end goal. And... You know, we, we're not always success, uh, successful, sorry. We don't always kill the biggest bucks or elk or the biggest antelope. But we go out and we have fun and we give it the best we have. We do it our way. Yeah, that's... Our way is totally different than anybody else's, in, in my opinion. So... And not to be naysay about other... Hunters, programs, whatever, but a lot of places you see, or a lot of TV shows and things like that, they're always hunting with somebody, they're always with somebody from the state they're hunting, or out of state they meet somebody and they're taking them to good spots. It's not the way it is, it's not the way an average hunter can be. You can't go up and be with the best of the best wherever you go. As you guys already know, we're, we're both military guys. And neither one of us are from Colorado. Yes. It's all new. Everything we do is new. I mean, I'm not even from the West. I'm from the Midwest. You know, we sit in tree stands and hunt cornfields where I'm from. Yeah. So, just grow with us. My final thoughts before we close this out. I thought that was your final thought, but I guess not. (laughs) Be here an extra 20 minutes with him. My final thoughts. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, give us a like on Instagram or a follow. Same thing with Facebook. If you like that stuff, leave us a comment. Let us know where we're failing or where we can improve. What you would like to see more of. Or hear more of. Yeah, let us know. It's going to make us more successful. We appreciate you if you are listening. We appreciate new listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody. Uh, continue journey with us. We're going to get better, getting better team dynamics. We're going to be shooting better video for you. And like you said, just give us a follow Instagram, Facebook. And if you don't even want to go that route, we got an email. Yeah, we do have an email with any questions. Newly brigade at yahoo.com. Yeah. So just stay with us and we're going to get it done. We appreciate every one of you. Use your get out.